Welcome to Table Talks, this is Becca, and today I'm sitting down with Chris Stubbs from Hair Without Borders. Hair Without Borders is a 501c3 or a nonprofit organization here in Atlanta. Hey Chris, how are you? Doing good, Becca, how are you? Pretty good. Um, so we just enjoyed some cow soy. It was my first time ever making it. It was a little bit of a challenge. Um, but you know what? I don't think I did that bad of a job. You know, what do you think, Chris? Uh, I mean, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. It's a, it's a tough dish, especially when you've never had it in your life. Yeah, and, it was the first time I heard of it. Right. And Does I, that make me not very cultured? <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's probably Thai people that have never heard of it. It's such a remote, like, dish. It's, it's exclusive to only northern Thailand and with Burmese influence, so I'm sure you can find it in Burma as well. But most people have never seen a Burmese restaurant in their entire life, and then any Thai restaurant I've been to, I ask for cow soy, and they just kind of laugh, and they say, no, that's, that's a northern thing. We don't do that. Hmm. Okay, well that's interesting to know. Well, at least I gave it a shot. Um, if you want to see my attempt, I didn't record it, but I do have <laughs> the original recipe that I use, and I'll link it below. Um, so Chris, tell us a little bit about Hair Without Borders. When did you realize that hair was something that you had a passion for? Hmm. Let's see. I guess uh, growing up, uh, I always hated my haircuts. <clears throat> um... You know, we were pretty middle class, so we always went to like a super cuts or a great clips. No offense to them, but we couldn't afford anything better. And to me, I just thought that that's what a salon was. So going to those places, you know, even as a kid, and I wasn't really that picky, um, even as a kid, I recognized that uh, the value and importance of you know, really listening and catering to your customer, uh, their, your customer's wishes. Right. Um, and so I never got that, of course. Probably, you know, because, you know, you have to cut hair in 15 minutes at one of those places or you're not making a living. And so, you know, they, they're kind of forced to rush. So... You know, a kid comes in and says, I want, you know, the Ricky Martin haircut. They're kind of like, okay, whatever. Whatever we do in 15 minutes is what you're getting. And so that's what I got. And so I was never really happy with it, but I didn't really understand why. And then once I started getting a little older, maybe like 15, 16, I, um, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And then... Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that, and I think I got a little extra pressure from my dad on that. So, I knew I didn't want to, I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then, one of my favorite bands, 18 Visions, uh, I knew that their lead singer, who I idolized at the time, uh, James Hart, I knew that he was a hairstylist as well. And so I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, maybe if I'm a hairstylist, I could be a rock star on the side too. And so I started looking into it. Um, right around the time, I got a really bad haircut. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. And so I went to Walmart, got like a $15 wall 
kit and uh, started cutting my hair myself and I actually liked it. Only took like two and a half hours, but I mean, I still take two and a half hours, but anyways, uh, I liked it and my friends liked it. So then I started cutting their hair for free and they liked it. And then I started to kind of realize like, all right, you know, this could be more than just a hobby. I could actually do this for a living. You know, I can charge and, you know, I'll, I'll get to do everything I kind of want to along with it. So, you know, with it, I get to express myself creatively. I get to have tattoos and I get to have whatever haircut I want. And you pretty much get to wear what you want. You know, you're not in a stuffy suit. You're not at a desk. You get to talk to people every day. You get to listen to cool music. And so I was like, all right. Oh, and then of course you can travel with it. Making me want to be a hairdresser. <laughs> right? Ah. I mean, hey, you just let me know. Yeah, I'm kind of into that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was like, well, you know, this is, there's a lot of benefits to it. So I decided to um, start looking into it. And also, you know, so it was right around, I guess, junior. No, it was during the senior year that one of my friends, I cut her hair, who she is now a hairdresser, a very good hairdresser nice. in New York, celebrity hairstylist. Go Liz. This was one of my first, you know, clients. And uh, so she had gone to a really nice salon here in Atlanta, Bob Steele, I'll say it. And one of the stylists, you know, was looking at the cut, liked the cut. Um, but she, of course, was doing the color. And I didn't touch color then, and I still don't touch it now. But uh, she got her color done. Do you think you ever will? Uh, maybe. I need to. It's where the money is. But um, I just love cutting. I always had a passion for it. But anyways. Um, so the stylist said, oh, this is actually kind of a cool cut. You know, give him our number and have him call. So I called him up, and they were like, yeah, you know, you want to start an apprenticeship here? I was like, oh my gosh. You know, I don't know anything about all this, the salon world. You know, all I had experience in was Chuck E. Cheese and Zaxby's, you know, so. You worked at Chuck E. Cheese? I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. <sighs> Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't that's tell, cool. That's I don't cool. tell a lot of people that. Well, you know, you I was everybody. the rat. <laughs> yes, now everyone knows my deep dark secret. Yes, I was the rat. You were the rat too. A few times. Okay. Not a lot. <laughs> was the suit hot? It was very hot. I can imagine. Yeah, the kids—they do not respect the rat. You get a lot of people kicking you. A lot of kicking. A lot of punching. So you have to make them respect you. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> With your tail. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so they actually, uh, Liz and her mom, uh, they took me to the mall and got me an outfit to wear for my interview. Because, like I said, we were pretty poor. And I didn't have any kind of, you know, outfit, like nice 
anything nice to wear for an interview. And so, yes, forever grateful to them for that. Um, but yeah, went, got the job, um, worked with them for a couple of years and while I went into hair school. And uh, so I'll tell you another little side story. See, I told you I was going to have a lot of side <laughs> stories. <laughs> it's going to be longer than 30 minutes. Um, so uh, I didn't have any contact with my dad, you know, really until I was 18. My mom didn't want me to have contact with him. He was pretty much out of my life. My biological dad, that is. And uh, so when I was 18, she said, you know, you're a grown man. You, you can make your own choice feel free to contact him, but leave me out of it. Mm -hmm. And so I contacted him and we met up uh, for dinner and, you know, we're catching up and he asked me, all right, what are you going to do? And I was like, all right, well, I'm in hair school. I'm going to be a barber, barber stylist. And he's like, oh, really? I'm a barber. Oh, really? Yes. And you didn't know that. Didn't you know, know anything about him. Didn't know. Wow. That. And he's like, your granddad was a barber. Wow. Yeah. So I was third generation barber, and I didn't even know it. So it was honestly, it was in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the difference between? A lot of people may know this, but I don't. What's the difference between a barber and a hairstylist or dresser? Uh, well, if you're looking at say, you know, the state board licensing. Um, then uh, barbers do straight razor shaves, um, and this is for Georgia, it could be different in other states. Um, barbers do straight razor shaves, and then they do cut and color. Um, maybe chemical services like perms and relaxers. A barber? Yes. Okay. But uh, cosmetologists will do more of the facials, you know, makeup, um, they'll do nails, hands and feet. So they do a little bit more, um, like esthetician work mm -hmm. and we stick with typically just hair. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's the main difference. But I mean, now of course I've been working in a salon for my entire career. So, I mean, really, I do more women than men, but it is nice to have that background. It's helped me a lot with my, you know, clipper cuts and razor work, but there's really not that big of a difference. No. Well, I definitely see where the passion comes from. Can you tell us a little bit about how that plays into Hair Without Borders? Hmm. Well, I think it does play a big part in it because... I mean, it's in the name, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the first five, six years as a stylist, you're trying to build up your confidence and competence, trying to figure out, you know, what you're doing with your career, where you want to go, and really just establish yourself, uh, maybe amongst the industry, um, and, you know, just figure out for yourself what you're actually doing to make sure you know, you know, how to properly deliver 
the techniques that you've been taught. And yeah, it takes a long time to hone that craft. Um, so that, you know, that was kind of when I was starting to feel that I had, uh, that I was getting it down. After about five or six years, I was like, okay, you know, I feel like I have a, an understanding of this, a general understanding mm -hmm. of um, how to do a good haircut and a good service. And so, yeah, I was about 25, 26, and I'd been doing Muay Thai for a couple of years. And so, I was, you know, deeply ingrained and fascinated into that culture, uh, the Thai culture, because of the Muay Thai. And I had just so happened to be watching um, a documentary on, I think it was actually Cambodia, but, you know, I watched a lot of documentaries on that region because I was so interested in it. And it was the one about Stacy Dooley. Uh, she's a journalist from the UK, and she went to Cambodia. And she was, um, I'm trying to remember what it was covering, but it was, I think it was titled like Stacy Dooley covers human trafficking or something like that. Okay. And so I was watching it, and the main subject for the documentary, or whatever you would call it, um, she was a girl that had been rescued from human trafficking. And, you know, towards the end of it, she asks her, all right, you know, now that you're free and you have your own free will and choice to do whatever you want, what would you like to do? And she's like, I want to do hair. And so, I mean, for me, that was just like, bing, like, <laughs> And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to help this girl or any other girl like that in that situation. And so that's kind of where it started. So the idea was like, okay, there's got to be someone out there doing that. And I looked for years. So that specifically, doing what? Doing that, like helping through hair, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so volunteering. someone who's come through a situation, per se, that they're down on their luck and maybe are needing a new start and hair might be something that they want to aspire to do, yeah. you would help them in what way? Yeah, I mean, just give them uh, their own self-empowerment, economic stability, you know? It kind of goes along with the teach a man to fish or woman to fish. Um, so, yeah, the idea was, you know, this girl wanted to make a good life she had a, a, a tough past. She wasn't afforded the ability to have an education. And so she didn't have a lot of options, but I'm assuming that she was already um, interested in beauty and cosmetology just on her own. You know, it, it didn't seem provoked when she asked her, what do you want to do now? Right. It seemed like she genuinely wanted to do hair. And I was like, well, if this girl, you know, wants to do hair, then there's got to be others. And there's got to be other people out there that don't have the same ability or access to, say, a student loan like I did. You know, I went to one of the cheapest, well, I don't want to say cheap, <laughs> the most cost-efficient schools in okay. Georgia. Mm -hmm. 
I went to Ruffler Moller Hair Styling College. And at the time, it was $8,500, which now you can't go to a hair school for double that. And so, you know, I know for me, that was hard, but I, luckily I was able to get a student loan and work my way uh, through school and I was able to pay it off a couple of years after. Um, because I was working at some, some pretty good affluent salons. And so I know uh, that there are a lot of people in this world that don't have the same access to those opportunities as I did. And so I wanted to help those people specifically. And that's when you thought of Hair Without Borders? Well, that's when I got inspired to do something, you know, inspired to get out and help. I just, I didn't really know where I was going with it. I just knew I wanted to help. And uh, I knew what I had is, you know, my shears and my comb and a little bit of knowledge and a whole lot of passion. And so I started looking for other organizations that were, that were gonna do this. Cause I thought surely there's a nonprofit out there for everything you can think of. You right. know, there's a nonprofit out there for <laughs> gerbils, you know, gerbil rehabilitation. I'm sure if you look it up right now. Let's do it. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm sure you're gonna find it. Um, so I knew that there had to be something. And I looked it up and I couldn't find anything. And you know, I went to hair shows and you know, talked to people. And I found two organizations out of four or five years of looking. And I had contacted one of them. And one of them was actually started by a shear company. I won't name them, but it was, it, it, I'll just say it's not what I wanted. And, you know, they, they talked a big game and you could sign up on their website and they were supposed to call you back uh, and get you involved. All right, I signed up six years ago probably now. Yeah. And I still haven't gotten a call back from them. And <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that just kind of tells you, okay, what's the deal? Like, what, why? Why have they not contacted me? Is it because they're underfunded, understaffed, they're overwhelmed by volunteers? Or is it because they're not, their head isn't in the right place? And to me, that said that their head and their heart weren't in the right place. And so, you know, over that whole time that I was looking, you know, I'd find a little something here, a little something there, or I'd get a new idea and I would add it to the Hair Without Borders, you know, bucket. And so eventually, after so many years, came up with this. And, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's what I want it to be now, or at least, I think I've got the idea for it chiseled out to where I want it. Mm -hmm. And so now I think it's about getting out there, getting involved, spreading the word, and partnering up with organizations uh, in order to, to share that message. 
Where would you say the name came from? Here Without Borders? Well, I mean, honestly, I ripped it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was looking for names, you know, and I, I knew I wanted to help abroad. And, you know, I looked at maybe like Barber Wanderer or, you know, the Traveling it's Barber. It's kind of cool. It is kind of Barber cool. Wanderer. Yeah, someone can use that. All right, I'll use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I saw... You know, everyone knows Doctors Without Borders, and then Lawyers, lawyers without, without Borders, borders Nurses yeah. Without Borders, and so I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a Hair Without Borders, and I looked it up, and there wasn't, and so I was like, okay, that's perfect, Hair Without Borders, and so that was in 2016, and so uh, I had gone to Thailand that year for the first time. And of course, fell in love with it. You know, after seven years of wanting to go, you know, and train Muay Thai and see the culture and all that, I finally went and, you know, absolutely fell in love with it. And, but it was kind of a trip more for me. And so then I went back again the next year, right around the same time, uh, Songkran, their, their new year. And I highly recommend anyone go for Songkran. Um, but yeah, so went and this time uh, I told a friend that I had made there, uh, Palm, I told her, you know, I want to get out and volunteer and I want to do something with hair while I'm here because I know there are people that need it and I'm here on vacation, you know, just goofing off. So I was like, I want, I want to get involved. And so we went to the Children's Shelter Foundation there in Chiang Mai. And well, I'll just, I'll go ahead and I'll say, you know, we called, it was all during like Songkran, right around that time. And almost everything was closed. And, you know, to me, I was kind of wondering, all right, if you're an orphanage, mm -hmm. how are you closed? Like, what do you do with the kids if... No, was it operation hours closed or more no. so just... Like we would call a bunch of orphanages and organizations that, you know, claimed to house children. Mm -hmm. um, and they would be like, oh yeah, the kids are at home or oh, they're on holiday or this or that. And I'm like, well, how, if you're an orphanage, right. like, where, where are the kids? Home, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we had, like, the children's shelter was I think the last place we called it was like the sixth and they said yeah come in on at Tuesday at 10 you know, <laughs> I, was, I, you know I just said I wanted to come cut hair and they're like yeah come on Tuesday at 10 see you there okay we're like, oh wow that was easy and so yeah we showed up and uh, you know got to meet uh, Jam and Kun Balek and they had told me, yeah, you know, yeah, we got all, the, all these kids lined up for you for a haircut. So, you know, just started cutting right there um, in the, right outside the cafeteria. And so I have pictures on the website of that. And then they told me, well, there's also a student here that uh, has a passion for barbering, who wants to be a barber. And so... 
you know, for me, of course, that got me super excited. So I was like, well, get him out of here. He's, he's going to be my assistant for the day. And so, you know, I don't know where he was. He might not have even been there. They might have just called him up and he was, you know, trying to take a nap or something. But he shows up 20 minutes later and uh, his name is Chiang Mai because that's where they got him in Chiang Mai. And, uh, you know, if you want to find more about his personal story, I actually do have a video with his personal story on, uh, on the Facebook and the, and the website, I think. I should know that. But, yeah, just look up uh, Chiang Mai's dream. That's uh, the video. And so, yeah, he stuck by my side all day while I was cutting. I think we went seven or eight hours straight, and he was right there by my side. And, you know, by the end of it, I had him in there doing haircuts. And, you know, to be quite honest, his haircut was just as good as mine. Um, so, yeah, I was really impressed, of course, by his eye. Uh, he had an obvious passion and skill for it. And so I had asked him, you know, all right, so, you know, where are you working? Like, do you have a salon lined up or going to hair school? He's like, oh, well, I went to hair school, but then they kicked me out. And I was like, all right, why? What did you do? And he said, well, they found out that I wasn't Thai, that I'm Burmese. Oh. Yeah. And that's not allowed. And that's not allowed. Only Thai people can cut hair in Thailand. So I can't cut hair in Thailand legally. He does, can't cut Does hair that apply to all jobs in Thailand? You have to a be lot a Thai of citizen? A lot. Like, pretty much the only thing I can do is teach English and promote tourism. You know, anything to do with, like, a trade or a craft, anything with your hands, you can't do unless you're Thai. So I can't be a plumber, electrician, uh, blacksmith, um, mechanic, uh, carpenter, anything. Yeah, but anyways, so... You know, that's why I'm looking into teaching English, getting my English certification. Certification. Yes. Um, so if I do end up moving over there or something, uh, at least I'll have a backup plan for some kind of income. But anyways. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he tells me his story. And then he tells me how they found out that he was... Burmese, not Thai, and then as soon as they found that out, they said, well, you can't cut hair here, so you can't come to school, you know, you can't learn, it's pointless, and so he was kicked out of school, and, you know, I don't know how long it had been in between that and me meeting him, but he told me that, and of course, you know, That'll break anybody's heart, but especially a hairstylist. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, you know, I made a promise. I said, hey, when I get back, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you get to do hair. And, uh, you know, I said, even if you don't want to do hair, like, I just want to help you do whatever you want to do. But we'll try hair first. And so when I got back, you know, I just hit the ground running. Um, and, you know, went straight to a CPA to help me file for uh, the 501c3, business formation, 
for Hair Without Borders. And so got that after, it was a slow process, but you know, probably more on my end. How long did it take for approval? Uh, it was like six months, I think, yeah. So I got, I came back in at the end of April, got it going, and then I got my 501c3 in November, um, at the end of November, right after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I mean, pretty quick. Uh, I did get the 501c3EZ, which is a little bit faster than the classic 501c3. Um, but some people, you know, it can take a couple of years to get the 501c3. But I wanted to get it just going, and then I'd figure out the rest, you know, once I, once I had it going. And so, uh, yeah. So since then, I will say we we went back. Um, you had a recent trip. Yeah, remember? yeah. I just went back the same time again, same time right around Songkran, and uh, I was there for a month and a half this time, uh, but all over Southeast Asia, and a week and a half specifically in Chiang Mai. That was our first stop, and uh, I teamed up with Lisa from. I'm gonna mess it up. Here's Mit Shera. Not too bad. Okay. And that's Heart with Shears. And she is from Austria. And she brought a friend of hers. We teamed up. Uh, and of course, I brought my little team. And uh, we met there and taught at the school at Children's Shelter Foundation. And Lisa was able to raise a lot of money. And so she was pretty much able to finance the entire class for that week at the children's shelter. Uh, and once we were done, uh, she was able to purchase mirrors, uh, a salon chair, and whatever else Chiang Mai needed in order to start his own little children's shelter barbershop. Oh, that's awesome. It's super cool. And... You know, I need to put the pictures up, but, you know, I'm getting them in gradually. Um, but yeah, I mean, she she knocked it out on that one. She she really took care of Chiang Mai. Um, I was able to contribute, like, you know, I, I brought him a nice pair of shears um, and education. But, um, yeah, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit jealous <laughs> because... She was able to raise so much money, and she was able to do a little bit more for him than I was able to, which I'm very happy for. But, you know, I was just sad that I couldn't do more for him. Um, but he has what he needs, and he is on the right path because they figured, okay, well, if he goes to Harris, or sorry, like a regular college for four years, and he gets whatever degree or diploma, then he can get an ID card. And once he has that ID card, then he can study hair. Now that's the law for now. It could of course change at any minute in Thailand, but that's the plan for now. And uh, I think he's definitely on the path. And so um, I just got a picture the other day from the shelter where um, 
they were able to find a local barber to also help him out uh, while we're not there. So I know that he has a lot of support um, and he has all the tools necessary, all the resources he needs um, to achieve his dream now. So now we just sit back and revel in his greatness. But um, yeah, so I'll go ahead and just kind of finish the tour that we did. So the first part, of course, was in Chiang Mai. The second part was in Cambodia, uh, where I was able to meet uh, a young lady. Her name, her Western name is Plum. Plum? Yes, Plum. That's and pretty. I'm super honored because they actually let me come up with her Western name. Oh, you came up with Plum. They let me come up with it. And it's actually not Plum like the fruit, but okay. it's short for Plumeria or Plumeria or whatever. Is there a reason why you chose that name? It is a flower that is indigenous for the region, mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful flower. Okay. And you know, I was trying to think, uh, you know, what's a what's a cool name? And I saw Plumeria. It's better than what was it Fran Japan or something? You know, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna call her Fran. Yeah. No offense to Frans out there, but love you, Frans. Right. But I was like, Plum. Oh, that's nice. So her name uh, is Plum, and hi, Plum, if you're listening. Ah, yeah, she's definitely going to listen. Well, she won't understand, but <laughs> she will listen. I'll make her listen. Um, so, uh, yeah, she had, a, I mean, a, a very tough past. Uh, and she, I mean, it's, it's, Cambodia is a whole new world. Just, I can't, exp I won't even try to explain it in this 30 minutes, but actually... Um, I want to, I've told you, I want to get Bob, so Dr. Bob Spires on with you. Uh, I think that we could make a really interesting podcast for you. And he represents uh, Love Without Boundaries, a different nonprofit. So Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to meeting him. Yes. He is incredibly interesting. So many good stories. Um, so yeah, um... I got to meet uh, Plum there at the school and hear her story and find out that she also wanted to be a stylist. I, I, just, I can't even tell you. I, I don't want to start on her story because it, it's, a, it's a story of its own. It's a book. Like she's actually writing a book about her life right now. Um, maybe we can hear more about it on your website. Mm -hmm. Are you planning to... Well, I started a new project, mm -hmm. another one. Uh, I think I'm going to call it like Hair Stories or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be, and she was actually the first guest. So it'll be kind of like this a little podcast or something. So I just sit the camera down in mm -hmm. front of us and I cut her hair and I say, all right, tell me your story. And so we went until I was done with the haircut and... You know, I only got really the PG version, like mm. the Disney version, because, you know, as she was telling me, a couple of guys came in, and I don't know if one was her boyfriend or if they were just other students, um, but yeah, I only got to hear the, the edited version, and even the edited version, you know inspired me to want to to help 
however I could. And then, and then of course I had uh, the director for the school there um, translating because she doesn't speak English. And um, so when I got back, I had a dinner with uh, Bob, and he told me the full version of her story. And yeah, I'm. I won't even start on it, but. You know, I, I knew, I was like, alright, you know, this is exactly the mission that I had intended for Hair Without Borders from the get-go, was to help a girl or guy like Plum. I, I, want, I wanted her to be kind of the face of Hair Without Borders. And she also expressed to me that, you know, after she learned and after she got good, she wanted to share her gift with other uh, boys and girls like her and so I was like oh that's she's got the right mindset and she obviously had a great eye for it because she was the art teacher there at this little school and so yeah I was like all right well you will be the hair without borders ambassador in training for Cambodia and so you know the goal is right now to train her, get her um, cutting and practicing as much as possible. So with Hair Without Borders donations that I was able to raise over you know that first six or seven months, um, I was able to get her a salon chair, uh, all the tools that she needed, um, and uh, I was able to supply her also with some of the education that I knew, which was TG, uh, so I'll give a huge shout out to TG Education. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I gave her everything I could and said, all right, uh, <laughs> she, she asked me, she's like, all right, do you have any any final words of wisdom or, or tips for me before you leave? And I said, all right, jack up as many heads as possible. <laughs> I just do a lot of bad haircuts and you'll learn and uh, so she's got plenty of kids I think there's 200 students in this little village school um, so she's got plenty of heads to practice on and uh, she actually just sent me a picture of her first haircut the other day and it was pretty spot-on it was a bob a bob's a hard haircut but um yeah so she's now practicing in that little art building that we taught the classes um, and the goal is in a couple of years uh, to raise enough money to start her her own salon in the in the town uh, so it's maybe 40 minutes away from the village town where she lives and is from mm -hmm. uh, but the town the big town is called Poipet it's a pretty big town uh, for you know, the area. Uh, so yeah, it'll give her a better opportunity to make good money. But uh, yeah, so you can count on seeing lots more of Plum. And then for the third start, uh, third stop, we went to Bali, Indonesia. And we kind of lucked out because all I knew up until 
maybe a month before we got there was that it was in Indonesia. I didn't know that it was in Bali. All I knew it was in Indonesia. Like I had bought my tickets to Asia and I didn't even know where in Indonesia this place is because they were so protective of these women. Uh, the organization is, that we partnered with is Kerasa and we were introduced to them through She Is Safe uh, based out of here in Georgia. And so, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think they even told me where in Bali that they were until I was already there in Indonesia. So they told me, okay, they're in Bali. And then I, was, I think I was in Thailand when I was like, all right, I need to know where in Bali they are. And they're like, okay, okay, here's the address. So I think they were just making sure I was legit mm -hmm. and I was walking the walk. And so got to go um, to their um, quarters and educate a bunch of different, uh, or women from a bunch of different backgrounds. Um, you know, and I, I won't go into the details of where some of the women came from, but, um, no, I, I can say it because it's on the website on the Garasa, you know, they, they work with women, uh, that have been victim to domestic violence, um, survivors of trafficking, um, some women that have just willfully um, left the exploitation industry. Uh, some of the women are single moms that are just down on their luck and need some help. Um, some are HIV positive um, and have been outcast from their family. And so a lot of women and some uh, men um, as well as uh, transgendered were there and uh, or a lot of different backgrounds were there and so yeah we got to work just like in the previous classes um, but this time of course a little bit older uh, or at least wider range of age and so yeah you know we got to work with women you know this time and uh, so it was fulfilling in a uh, a different way and um, I'm not 100% sure if we found any one uh, special person to to focus our project on mm -hmm. but I know you know as soon as we left they were already getting um, commissioned work for for their girls to come and do you know, up styles for a wedding, just because I, th I think that they had posted pictures of us teaching at, at their, um, at their headquarters. They were sharing that. And then people saw, oh, they're interested in doing hair. They're learning hair. Let's get them to do the hair for our wedding or something like that. And so they were already getting commissioned like two weeks after we visited. So you're making these connections. Do you find yourself coming back to the same places? And yes. Maybe... Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. But, I mean, the kind of bond that we made with them, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. What would you say that Hair Without Borders needs right now? 
the same thing that any organization or nonprofit needs is money. But I would say my real focus is creating um, partnerships and awareness because, yeah, money is a concern, but it's more important that people find out about us and, as an organization and I guess as a, a network because I really don't want us to be about money, you know. I think, you know, I'd be happy if every hairdresser in the country gave $1, we'd be funded for, I think, the rest of time. So I don't need a lot of money, but of course with the more money we get, the more we can do and the more we can help. So I'm not going to say no to money, but if every hairdresser in the country knows about us, uh, then when they do want to get involved with some kind of volunteer program or, you know, they want to go on a mission trip or they're going on a, um, they're going on a vacation to say Thailand or Burma or Philippines and they go to one of these places and they say, well, you know, I want to help. And they're already affiliated with you. So. They're already affiliated or they, they have us kind of as like a support. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they contact us and say, hey, I'm going to the Philippines or I want to go to the Philippines, um, but I want to I want to do good on the trip. I want to make it a mission. Mm -hmm. I don't just want to go and, you know, get drunk the whole time. You know, that's make a change. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, um, they want to go on a, a trip with a goal and a purpose. And so, uh, the idea is for them to use our network. So ideally we'll have partner organizations in any of these locations that they could want to go. And they say, okay, I'm going to Bali. Me and, my, me and my boyfriend are going to Bali, and I want to do some volunteering. And so I say, well, hey, I know some people that would love for you to come and do some haircuts or to teach, you know, show them how to do an updo. Boom, put them in touch with Gairasa. They show up, they teach for a day or two or a week, whatever they want, and everyone wins you know the hairstylist gets to help somebody and feel good and those in need get uh, the service and education okay say we have some listeners that are interested in getting involved with hair without borders where do they need to go uh well you can go to the standards facebook instagram or the website and it's everything hair without borders so yeah hair without borders dot org uh, or here without borders Instagram or Facebook yeah okay and I'll link those in the description box below um, thank you so much Chris it was so great having you today I hope that we can link up again especially with Bob in the future yes all right and that's it folks talk to you later thank you thank you <laughs>